Hello again, everyone, and welcome to our sixth episode of the Mercer County Podcasting Club. This is the episode for March. My name is Rusty Ruggles, and we have another great episode lined up for you for the month of March. Our student talk segment will feature myself and Callie Searing and Emma Melgren and Brennan Fluette. We'll be talking about a bunch of things like what we thought about March shutdown from last year. Did we think we were going to come back to school? What the story was there? What did we think was going to happen? We're also going to talk about uh, getting our cars unstuck during the nasty winter months and how we test during standardized testing. So we're going to talk about those things. Our second segment will feature uh, Kirsten Benson, who will be interviewing uh, our own Mr. Hofer, our uh, assistant principal here and football coach. And she'll be asking Mr. Hofer about the difficulties of scheduling all these sports on top of each other and trying to be the athletic director at the same time and how the football season's looking. And he'll have lots of information for us on that. And our last section will be Griffin Kernan back to the student interview. And he'll be uh, interviewing Anna Wagner and about her future plans going to college and what she's looking at going uh, into doing. Um, Griffin is interested in showing all aspects of what seniors can do, whether it's going to college, a trade school, or the military. We've had Hogan and Anna, and so he's covering all the bases there. So it's going to be a great episode. want to let everybody know, too, that we're starting to branch out on our podcasts. You'll notice that Griffin had a presidential election of American history podcast, if you could check that out. It's uh, really good. He goes over the 2000 Bush-Gore presidential election and all the information there, and Griffin does a great job as always. So we appreciate you tuning in and uh, we thank you for listening to our March podcast episode. All right. Good morning, everyone. And this is the March episode for the Mercer County Podcasting Club. My name is Rusty Ruggles and I'll be leading this student talk today. Normally it's me and she's had something else going on today. And so we've all been sitting here visiting with a couple of our folks. We have Emma Melgren and Callie Searing here. And then Brennan had car problems this morning. Brennan, what was going on? So I get up at 6 and right. I'm up and I'm I'm ready by about 6.45. Like I'm all dressed, got my all my stuff. And uh, I'm waiting to get a ride for my mom because my Prius is currently in an ice cube <laughs> and is not functional and also blocked by it three is, cars. It is cold. Yeah. Um, well, we would have been, I would have been on time, uh, but my mom's car, the side doors were frozen shut. Wow. And the back hatch was also frozen shut. I wanted to see you crawl through the back hatch this morning to get into the car to go to school. Yeah. And, and, um, so, um, uh, I, I know he's still, (laughs) everything's okay, Brennan. We're okay. Okay. So um, you, how did you get into the car then? How did it work? Well, first the the front door was uh, was able to open, but I tried to open the side door and it got stuck open. Oh, so the car would not go. Oh, I understand. So you couldn't get the door shut and latched. So and the then my like mom that. said the two side doors are open, and I took that as the side doors on each side were open, but she right. had the two on the right side. So then I started fumbling with the door, and she's like, "No, no, 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 the other door." So I eventually was like body slamming the car door to get it shut. Oh my gosh! And I got it shut, and I, I was bringing my guitar because that's the kind of morning it was. Hmm. Uh, so I have a guitar that I'm gonna do nothing with and just bring it back home. Please tell me you have a ring doorbell camera or something that we've got this on film. <laughs> no, unfortunately, oh my no. Gosh. Now, Callie, you live out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Do you have problems with winter and and cold a lot? Uh, I live on. A big hill. Oh, that's an so issue. Yeah. Every year, someone gets stuck. Last year, I crashed my car into like a tree, and we had to get that fixed. And this year, so far, um, it wasn't one of us, but like someone was visiting, and they got their car stuck. It's easy to do, I bet. Yeah, and we all of our cars are. All wheel drive. And if you don't have that, you will you're get in trouble. stuck. Yeah. You will get stuck no matter what. So when you have friends come out to the house, yeah. you're like, hey, the hill is an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Front wheel drive isn't going to cut it. If they don't have like all wheel drive, right. I have to pick them up at the bottom of the lane. Wow. And then 
go back up and just deal with it, I guess. Now, Emma, you live in town. Yeah. Like I do. You probably don't have many tr- troubles. Your car is good. It starts every morning. Yeah. That's great. We're just lucky, I guess. <laughs> Should live in town. Except for Brennan. Yeah. I, I also live in town uh, exactly on the one-mile marker from the high school. Well, you know what the issue is with you, Brennan? You have a garage. Mm-hmm. And you can put your cars in it, but we your dad's got it. So many with, projects. Exactly. Yeah. So your mom needs to tell dad, get that out. I'm putting my car in. But that's not going to fly, is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now he's now he's working on stained glass. Oh, and wow. he took a bunch of the stained glass from the Methodist Church, yep. and they're getting rid of it. And he's making like, I don't know, pieces out of it. Well, that's cool. He he destroyed my soldering iron doing oh, it. Oh no! He that's... asked for it, and I'm like, oh, he's probably gonna solder like the battery terminals or something. Mm-hmm. Now it's no, done. He was using it to try to like fuse like giant pools of metal together. Sounds like he owes you a soldering soldering iron. Yeah, he did. He got me a nice one. Though. That's good. That's good. So a year from now. Like, we're talking about March. March 16th was our last day of school. Do you remember that? And, I mean, to me, it doesn't seem like that long ago. You and I, Emma, were talking about how fast everything has been going. I mean, what was going through your mind, Emma, when we were going through that? What were you thinking? Well, a few days like that week, Mm -hmm. my parents had sat me and my brother down, and they were like, hey, we've been keeping up with this covid that's going across the world and like just a heads up, you know, it's in the U S so we might get shut down and things like might get weird for a bit. And this was way before anything happened. So I don't know what was in their heads, but they knew. Mm -hmm. And then the school was like, yeah, we might shut down for a little bit. And then that very next day, the school shut down and my friends were like, yeah, but we'll be back. And my mom was like, you guys are not going back. And I thought we were coming back. I didn't think I, we were I coming back. I agreed with you. I was like, yeah. Lit, no school for, what, like two, two weeks? We- I yeah. thought maybe yeah. two weeks. Yeah. But uh, you two kids had me for class, and so I remember that day, because I was gone the week before. Mm-hmm. So I come back, and I remember saying to the seniors at the time, I'm like, hey, you guys, this could be it. I mean, there's a percentage that this is it, the last day you'll sit in this room. I didn't actually see, like, I don't think I saw you that day. And you weren't there the week before, so I don't think I saw you then either. You were sad. <laughs> no. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I think we all thought it was going to be a couple of weeks and then we'd come back. But like, what were you thinking at the time, Callie? Were you thinking that this was going to be a long-term thing? or? I just, I remember sitting in sociology class. It was like kind of a free day or we just got done with our notes and we did nothing, but everyone was talking. And, like, I remember someone saying, I don't think we're going back to school. And everyone thought that that person was just, like, right crazy for Off saying that. <laughs> but I look back on it and it's kind of sad. It's There are a lot of people saying stuff that we all thought were crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Brandon, you thought we'd come back just like me, right? Yeah. I had, but I haven't been watching the news, mm-hmm. so I did not know how like severe the situation was in the U.S. Yeah, and I was in Florida, and so Anthony and I that weekend before were staying at a resort in Orlando, waiting for our flight. And I was praying the flight was going to go right because I thought, oh my god, I'm going to have to drive this little car all the way back. I don't want to do that. And I remember Illinois had 140 cases. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a lot. And think about it now. Illinois has 1.1 million cases. And how far that came in that time period, you know. But we were sitting with people on the plane that their Disney cruise had just been canceled. I mean, they were just shutting things down. So we got back just in time. And uh, I wasn't prepared for it to be done. I mean, those seniors had a tough time. You know, because you have all this stuff you want to do your senior year. And so now, with you guys, all three of you are seniors, and we're trying to make this stuff work and trying to make it as special as we can for you. So we're, you know, we had our first basketball game last night, had the pep band play, and it worked out pretty good. And 
you know, palms danced and cheerleaders stomped. <laughs> what do you think about that? So I get the cheerleaders now can be on the floor, but they can't cheer. They can just stomp and clap. What do you think? I just don't understand how coaches and players and fans can yell, but cheerleaders can't yell. I, I just think, don't understand. I think the crowd's not supposed to yell. You know, they're supposed to just sit. I mean, they're told that. The mask wearing on the floor was, I, I was just in there for a little bit. But you can understand as a player, the mask isn't going to stay on your face 100%. Yeah. You know, it's going to move around. And that's got to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I think about, like, when we got our first vaccine, first shot of the vaccine last week. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, who would have thought that the entire district would be sitting in this gym getting a vaccination shot a year ago? No way. And thank God for Mercer County Health Department helping us out with that, you know, which is good. I don't know. Like, Brennan, do you think school will be normal next year? Doesn't matter to me. <laughs> He's gone. Yeah, I'm out of here. Uh, Callie, what do you think? You think we're going to be normal or what? Not completely, but a lot better. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we can walk both ways in the hallway next year. Well, I won't, obviously. Right. What do you think, Emma? I just have, like, a feeling that they're going to take that vaccine and make it, like, your meningitis shot. Mm -hmm. Like it's something that everybody has to have. That's what I have a feeling that they're going to do. At least I know that there was, like, some talk about it for doing it for colleges first Mm -hmm. and then just uh, 9 through 12. Right. Like that first, and then spreading it all the way down. The sec- I just don't know how safe that is because you can't. They say that like there's no long term effects, but long term effects are three to five years, not yeah, two three know. months. I get my second shot next week, and that's the one that's supposed to make you sick. It's a little stronger, and maybe I'll be fine. Maybe I'll. Be, I think you're down for a day, you know, and you don't feel good for a day, and then you come back. Which, hopefully, that's the case. But I'm glad I'm getting it. Because we're around a lot of kids. But I will say this, and and think about all the things. Remember that first podcast we did? We talked about how much of a pain it was to go around and do all that. Mm, We hated that. That was the thing. We don't even think about it now. We don't think about the masks anymore. They're just something that we have to have. And I think the school district does a a really good job of keeping it going and keeping it safe. There are still schools in this country that aren't going to school or, you know, that aren't in person. And they're still, but they're in bigger cities. They got larger schools. I get it. Um. March, let's see, March we do testing. Did you have a testing story, Brennan, when we were talking about that? Or we talked about doing standardized testing. Oh. You know, when we were talking about usually March. I cannot, and, t- I cannot talk about this story on air. You know, it's like a. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Now I'm really interested. Yeah. It's like you can't, and don't tell it because if it like is going to criminalize you. No, nah, it won't. Okay. Well, then you shouldn't tell it. What is their map testing? There's pre-SAT. There's the SAT. Like, what did you took the SAT, didn't you, Anna? Yeah. You loved it. It was fun. Did you just take it once? Yeah, I took it once. It wasn't that bad, but it's not something I'd do again. Do you ever. think you're, I think there are kids that test well and then are good. They're smart kids and they don't test well. Yeah. Like, Callie, where, where do you fall into that? Um, I was hoping I did, like, a little better, but for some reason I didn't do good on the math portion, mm-hmm. even though like math is my strong suit. And for some reason, like I did a lot better on the reading, which is weird because I always get sidetracked when I read and I can't ever focus. But that time, I don't know. It was just different. You're on it that day, Brennan. I, uh, I actually, um, I don't. I don't know about. I got did a lot better on the reading than the math, but uh, I wrote a bomb essay. Like it was good, <laughs> and I'm sad because they only counted it like slightly above average. Oh man, you were but so proud was, of it. It was good. Oh man, he's his best critic. <laughs> Maybe that's what you'll do when you grow up is like grade SAT essays. What that, a horrible job that, that would, would be. be so sad. Awful. That would be. Not, but listen, guys, there's somebody in the world that's like. That's my dream job. And I'd be like, no. I don't want to meet that person. No. They, they just like shooting down bad at writing. Right, right. They took a look at yours and went, eh, 
it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's too bad that there's so much importance put on those tests because kids get stressed out. And when I was in school, it was the ACT. Like my son took both, you know, just to see how it panned out. And it was kind of the same thing. But in the end, there are some schools now, colleges, that aren't even looking at those. Yeah. You know, I still think they're important to see where you're at because you do take that test every year, right? As long as a freshman, sophomore, you take the PSAT. So when we look at those scores, Emma's scores should get better each time. You should always include them. They look better when you include them. Oh, yeah. They just won't deduct anything from you because right. of them. Well, if you don't put it on your application, that's kind of suspect. Mm -hmm. Then they want to know what Brennan's secret testing story is. And people can say that they, like, don't put it on there. But if you send your transcript, it's on the transcript. Right. So They're there's really no point yeah. not putting it on there. Mm -hmm. Grades are important. You know, they really are. And uh, you just got to work. And it's not that difficult, I don't think. You guys are all just <laughs> staring at the wall going, I'm not talking about my grades. They've, they've I'm actually doing they've the best worse. I've been doing. I know. Mine are bad. Yeah, Mine are bad. Like right now they're bad? <laughs> yeah. Are you, but are, why are they bad? Are you doing your stuff? No. Oh, okay, well then that's pretty cut and dry, you know? I have so much stuff going on in my life. I'm just like, yeah. I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this. I think it's tough your second semester of your senior year too. Because if you could go back in time, I was real bad. Like, I wish I could go back and do that over again because I'd been, I shouldn't say this on podcast. Unlike Brennan, I'm going to. I mean, I, I got accepted to my school. I knew where I was going. And I really didn't do that much, you know? And that was not the right thing to do. And there was a math class I had. Mrs. Van Alsdahl, if you're listening, uh, I hope you forgive me. <laughs> I did nothing. Yeah. It was like pre-calc or something like that. And I'm like, oh, that's too hard. I'm not doing that. And I just didn't do homework. We can go pull my report card right now. I got a D, I think. And when I got this job, I remember coming into this room. We were at the parish hall, like for their beginning thing. And I thought, I need to go apologize to her right now because I was not a good kid. Goof off and all that. And I went to her and I said, hey, Mrs. Van Alstel, I, I apologize, you know, for the way I acted. She's like, oh, Rusty, I'm so glad you're working here. You know, I only remember the good things. What a sweetheart. What a sweetheart. Do you guys have like moments in your senior year that you wish like now, like you, you probably don't even think about it, but are there things that you're like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> sometimes. Like yeah. sometimes I think about homework. I've pushed off until like the hour before it's due. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what am I doing to myself? I, when I get a lot of homework, I get stressed out. So I, yes. in turn, I procrastinate. But by procrastinating, I just stress out more. Yep. And then I procrastinate more. Procrastination is bad. Brennan, you and I were talking about this exact yeah. subject yesterday. Well, th yeah, the whole story of my education before, <laughs> like maybe like a couple weeks ago, was <laughs> that I would try really hard to do something and end up just staring at it. <laughs> and now I'm actually able to do it. That's, That's good. understandable. Yeah. Do you have regrets, Callie, like yeah. of earlier stuff, of not working as hard maybe? I feel like my effort for school has just gone so downhill since freshman year. But like. Hey, you still got time to get it back. It's Let's not going to work. <laughs> today. We're going to make it change it's today. not going to work. We're going to make it change today. I have so much to do. You have advisory next period. You can do all that stuff. You can make up some stuff. I'm going to do the work that's due today in that class. Okay. <laughs> Procrastination is bad, kids. That's the moral of the podcast today. Uh, last night, I was reading uh, a uh, really long paper on, like, uh, actuary science of college. Oh. And, like, the benefits of it. And mm -hmm. it was using, like, the NPV formula. So mm -hmm. I was reading through that. Just listening to my music, highlighting. That's what I did last night. Perfect student. But you're not going to be an actuary. No, but it's for English. Oh, okay. That's an interesting profession. Mm-hmm. Could never do it. Lots of math, man. Anthony thought about it, and he looked into it, and like, ooh, that's too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is kind of our time. It flies when you're having fun. Um, <laughs> Callie, get your homework done. Maybe. Brennan, keep up the good work. Yeah. And Emma, just 
keep being Emma. We'll you be fine. It. You got it. I'd like to apologize to Mr. Kenny for not doing the Delta <laughs> math assignments. Um, I don't know how to do them, and every time I get them wrong, it just doesn't help. So you, could, you got time right now after this podcast. You can go ask him. They're already, already all eight, all of them. It's still good for half credit probably though, right? I don't know. <laughs> you can go find out. All right. Well, that's it for us. This is our March podcast student talk. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, stay tuned for our interview, and Griffin will be interviewing another student later on. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's Kirsten Benson with the Marshall County Podcast Club, and today we have Vice Principal Mr. Hofer. Mr. Hofer, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. That's good. Okay. <laughs> so our first question of the day is just about you being the vice principal here. So, like, did you go to college wanting to be a vice principal? No, I don't think I was actively thinking about that when I was going to college. I, I wanted to be a teacher and I wanted to coach. And those were kind of the things that uh, got me into education. And, you know, my mom was a teacher. And so that was a big influence in that as far as getting into education. And then as I started taking upon more leadership roles in schools, uh, whether it's through uh, coaching or doing supervision at games and things like that, that's when I started becoming uh, more interested in administration. And then well, it was about eight years ago now that I went and got my master's and that led down this path. So, yeah, that's interesting. So did you, so like, what did you want to teach? Did you want to teach like history or like English or math? I actually taught English for eight years before I came here. So I did. That's so crazy. I feel like you looked like a school. history teacher, but I mean. <laughs> I think know. that's a. That's kind of a, a nasty narrative towards coaches in general. That well, yeah, because like they're all history or PE coaches, but no, uh, taught English for eight years. That's super cool. Yeah, maybe it's just because of Mr. Finch, you know, because Mr. Finch <laughs> was like the coolest, like you know, eighth grade history teacher. So I was like, oh yeah, okay, like coaches. So you did you you didn't start out here at Mercer County, did you? You taught somewhere probably before you came here. Yeah, this is the third place that I've taught or, or worked at in education. I started down in Deer Creek, Mackinac for three years, and I did junior high English. Uh, so that's down by Peoria. And then for the five years before I came here, I was up at Polo, Illinois, uh, in high school English uh, and coaching in both spots. So, um, yeah. So what drew you to Mercer County, you know, our expensive population? <laughs> well, I've grown up uh, in this area, in this county. Uh, I'm from there, this area, so... I went to a school, uh, we're not going to name the school here, but went to another <laughs> school that uh, a, a big portion of the population resides in Mercer County. So I went there and graduated from there, and uh, my family is actually from here. My grandma lived in uh, Alito forever. My grandparents lived in, uh, my other side of the grandparents lived in Viola. So I've been coming to Alito forever. Um, my first high school sporting events that I ever came to were in Alito, so mm. uh, definitely back home. That's really cool that you, like, came back to, like, your roots and stuff. I think that's always cool when, like, people, like, go out and, like, try new things, but then they they come home to their family and stuff. Um, so you recently won um, Vice Principal of the Year Award. Um, so what are you doing at Mercer County to set yourself apart from others in the area? Uh, I think when you, when you receive awards like that, it's really a conjunction or a collaboration of everyone that you're working with and your students and your staff and – I think uh, this staff in particular has done a really good job this year and and handling all the situations that have arose. And, you know, I, I think it's a testament to all, all the people that are working together to try to help with the culture and the environment here and to try to give everyone the uh, best possible experience that they can have when they come through our doors. Yeah. So speaking about, um, you know, coronavirus and that type of stuff, um, I know you're also our athletic director here. So just... How hard has it been because, you know, in these last, like, a month, we were, like, we have sports again, and then you had to schedule all every single sport for the next three months of the year or three or four months. But, I mean, that's crazy. That's a crazy timeline for somebody to follow. How did you, like, do that? Yeah, this year's been a challenge. Uh, but it's, it's not unique. Everyone is dealing with the same thing, so it's not like we're out there pestering other people. Everyone's doing the same thing. We have now done every athletic schedule besides 
the initial ones in the fall with golf and cross country that everyone has been done three times. Um, Typically, I try to have those done two years in advance. So this is a little bit different and unique from what it normally is. Mm -hmm. It's been a little bit chaotic, but we've just put in some extra time and you know, it just, the situation is something that we can't control. So we just got to get everything together so that uh, we can get all of our kids back competing. Yeah. I think it's super awesome that like you guys did it so quickly because, you know, now kids we're playing basketball right now and kids are getting ready for football. And, you know, I think that that's really great. So you also coach, you do so much here. I forget that you like have like three jobs, which is crazy, but you also coach football here. So how do you think the football team is going to play this year you think you guys are like ready <laughs> well it's been what 16 months since we've last competed so I think certainly within uh, the whole conference and in a lot of area teams there's a lot of question marks out there as far as what the what the brand of football will look like but I can tell you that we're excited and our kids will be prepared and ready to go and we'll you know we'll see what that that does for us here yeah, I, I know that's a very bland answer, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll just have we, to uh, wait and watch. Right, the product on the field will have to speak for itself. Ooh, ooh, alrighty. So, um, what advice would you give to students that are like a freshman coming in this year, or or next year, I guess technically, that maybe want to join football, or maybe are just kind of confused about um, our like our environment here. Yeah, I actually think that's probably the easiest question you've asked me so far because <laughs> whenever we have the the freshman orientation night, <clears throat> the big thing that I tell all those kids is that when you come into high school, try a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Do as much as you can because it's the only time in your life you're ever going to get to experience this environment. And when you're in high school, you don't know that. Um, you don't really even think about that or realize that until years down the road but it's the only time you're going to be with your peers in this capacity where you can do all sorts of different extracurriculars, whether it's sports, the arts, clubs, any of that, but do as much as it as you can. And that's what truly makes the memories when you're in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, no one, I mean, there's certainly times when you might recall like something happened in the lunchroom or something like that, but the memories that people recall are at, you know, dances and activities and things like that. That's the things that you really remember from high school. Yeah, I agree. I remember sitting at freshman orientation, you know, four years ago, and um, Bryn Bergen um, came up on stage, and she was the president of the FFA, and she's like, I live in town, and I don't do much. I don't do much, but I don't have, like, animals, you know, and stuff. And she was like, you know, you should join FFA. And my dad looked at me, and he was like, you should try that. And I did, and... Now it's like this whole other part of my life that I had no idea about when I, you know, started high school. I had no idea what FFA was. So I completely agree with that whole idea of just go to an ad class your freshman year and try it or, you know, take music, take choir, stuff like that. Yeah, I completely Uh, agree. Well, and I think things are different when you're in high school than they were when you were you know, even middle school and younger, you know, especially when I, I, th- I think about sports, it's just, it's different in high school. Things are ran a little bit differently and, you know, it's a, it's a chance to really come and try some things and to do a, do something different. I think here at the high school, we do a good job of allowing kids to try everything, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of yeah. electives and all the other scheduling difficulties that you might have. Rarely do Coach Hofer and I have any you know, things run into each other, you know, that's a problem. And if there is, we always communicate ahead of time. So a lot of times kids think that, well, if I'm doing this, I can't do that. Right. And that's not the case. You know, look how busy you are, Kirsten. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm so happy that like, I got to go to a school where we don't have just athletes, you know, you have academic athletes, you have, I mean, Jake Rush, he was playing baseball and, was the lead in the musical, you know, two years ago. Like, most schools don't have that. So just being in an environment where you're allowed to do whatever is super great. Well, Mr. Ruggles, you mentioned academics on that side. I think for a school our size, we offer as many classes or electives as as anyone. Uh, We have a wide variety of different classes, both just regular electives and AP courses, and I think we're pretty lucky and fortunate to have 
those types of things and opportunities for our students. Mm-hmm. And when people ask me how we do it, because we've got lots of kids that do lots of stuff, that my first thing I say is that we're supportive of them and whatever they want to do. You know, if a kid comes up to me and says, you know, like a month ahead of time, and says, I've got this, I got to show cat all this morning, you know, whatever this weekend, I'm in full support of that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that's sometimes it's difficult to do in, in some of our things, but that's, that's the most important thing I think for us to do. Well, I think it's everyone putting aside their own agendas and working for the kids. You know, that's, it's what matters, giving them those opportunities. And, you know, when you've got a staff that can collaborate like that, those were those, that's where those opportunities come and we can work together to make sure that, uh, make sure that we're not making people pick and choose as much as possible. And that comes up again to scheduling. You know, we've got some overlap on some of these schedules in the spring. And so how did you, when you thought about that and they came up with those, I mean, we've got kids that do all kinds of stuff and bigger schools don't have that problem. So how did you tackle that problem? Yeah, that's very unique this year. This is uh, unlike any year other ever. So some schools have kind of taken it and said, we can't overlap at all. There's no way we can do it. We've got too many kids uh, that uh, are doing multiple things. And we're in the same boat where we've got many, many kids that are doing multiple things. But what we've done is our coaching staff have worked together uh, to come up with a plan where, again, you're trying to be able to allow your kids to do as much as possible. Is it going to be perfect? No. There's going to be times when there's a game or something and you can't practice and play in a game at the same time or even on the same day. It just doesn't work. There's not enough hours in the day. But the communication level between our coaches has been great so far and so high that we've been able to make those differences work so that our kids uh, that are multi-sport athletes or doing or are doing multiple things, can continue to do the things that they love to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's really amazing. Especially, you know, since I am a senior, so I do have, like, a little bit of bias, I guess. But, you know, for a lot of uh, my peers, you know, people in my grade, just getting to do it is really the most important part, you know, and just getting to be out there on the field or in the co- on, you know, the basketball court or whatever is what's most important, you know. We'll, we'll go to th- – two, three practices a day, you know. We'll go to a practice and go to a game as long as we get to do it. Right, and we definitely feel for your senior class and the senior class from last year, and, you know, it's been a tough situation. It's it's been weird. Yeah. It's just so weird. uh, Again, it's unique. And so that's been one of our goals is to be able to, as much as we can safely do, to give you guys all those opportunities. And, um, you know, that's going to continue to be the goal here as we finish up the school year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all righty and then my last question of um today is uh do you have any advice like for kids that like are looking to become a teacher or administrator in the future yeah I mean one I think when you get into education it, it's not a cakewalk and I don't mean that in a bad way it's just every job is is got its own strengths and weaknesses but education is you again it's very unique and I've used that word a few times Um, but you're dealing with a lot of things that you can't control on a daily basis so when you if you're a teacher you walk in you could have 20 to 30 students in your classroom every day and that's even just at a younger level it'd be higher maybe hundreds at the high school level where you don't know what happened the night before you don't know the situations that are out of your control that may affect what he or she does in your classroom on a daily basis. So if you're going to get into education, one, you've got to love your students. It's got to be a priority. If you, if you don't love students and the energy that they bring in your classroom, probably not the right profession for you. Mm-hmm. But if you, love, if you love the students, you care about them, you want to see them succeed and be uh, kind of the next generation that takes over our, our society, then then that's something uh, that you can use and use that passion to, to leading those guys. Uh, and as far as administration goes, you know, uh, administration is just kind of the next level, uh, next level of that. Um, you know, when you're doing it prior as a teacher, it's uh, kind of a little, it's a little bit smaller, but then as an administrator, well, you don't necessarily have the personal connection on a, on a daily basis with all your students, it's a little bit more broad as far as 
using that culture and that environment to help prepare those students for the next uh, next step in their futures. So it, it's similar in my eyes, but administration is just the next step towards doing that. So I think it's a great profession. I think it's one that you truly have to have a heart for, though, and it's one that you got to be passionate about because there's going to be difficulties that come up on a daily basis that you can't prepare for. But, uh, again, it's a, a special profession, and I'm so glad that I was able to uh, – uh, study for education and get into it. Well, that was a really good answer. <laughs> that was really good. All righty, guys. Um, that was Mr. Hofer. Um, thank you all for listening. All right. Thank you. Hello, and welcome back to the pod. I'm Griffin Kernan, and today we'll be talking about the future, part two. In my mini-series on the three most common routes young people take into the world post-graduation, we'll be exploring the world of higher education. And with all the challenges that come with the college process, we will listen firsthand and digest this topic with a very special guest. She's an academically high-ranking graduate-to-be and in the hunt for the number one academic rank in the class of 2021 here at MCHS as well as a candidate for admission at Harvard University. On top of this amazing record, she plays flute in the school band, varsity softball, and varsity volleyball. Without further ado, please welcome friend of the pod, Anna Wagner. Hi. (laughs) Anna, are you ready to answer some tough questions? Ready for me to grill you over? Yeah. All right. So before we even go to college, way back before you create your common app portal, or whether you even start way back before you start studying for your SATs, there are some steps you have to take in the classroom in order to make sure uh, that you're prepared for college, especially if you're seeking an acceptance to a competitive program like Harvard. What have been some steps you've taken early on to guarantee your success later on in your academic career? I always make sure that I get my homework turned in on time. That's a big part of it because when you don't do that, then you get your grades lowered and everything. Um, And then I also make connections with teachers because you're going to need their letters of recommendation for your college applications. That's a really good step, making the connections with your teachers, even if it's not just for that. But I mean, like, if you're in the classroom and you're going to be with that teacher all year, it's best to kind of get to know them on a personal level because um, you're not going to need to learn from them. You might need extra help from them. And you need to be kind of almost like a part, almost like a partnership with your teachers to kind of get that connection. I understand that. And part of me in the moment in order to achieve a high level of success when searching for a college is taking the time to challenge yourself in harder classes um, and learning to overcome some of those challenges, even when we stumble along the way. What have been some of the more challenging classes you've taken and how have they made you a better student and better thinker? I would say the hardest classes I've taken are AP Chem and AP Calc. And a big part of succeeding in those classes is to go to the teachers and ask questions when you don't understand something. Because if you get behind in those classes, the classes don't stop to help you. They just keep going. So you have to make sure that you understand what's happening. Yeah, that goes back to what you said earlier about um, making those connections with those teachers. Footing, kind of understanding each other and how your teachers work and the teachers have to understand in return how you work. That makes for a, a very um, beneficial dichotomy when you um, are trying to get help in those tougher classes. Like, what are some things that you've needed help on in the past? Like, any examples, any stories? Well, I remember that third quarter chemistry was very hard um I had to go to Miss Cook almost every day and ask for help um but with her helping me I was able to start to understand the material better and she really went out of her way to help me whenever I needed help yeah that's um something that um more students would take advantage of in my opinion I see a lot of kids struggling their classes even if they're not going for a higher um course load or for a high for a competitive university a lot of times, kids who are just who are here to learn, they have they have trouble asking their teacher for help, or they have trouble coming in. Um, and the best thing to learn about that um, is that they they're not there to judge you at all. Um, they're not there to do any of that to you. Instead, um, you just simply learn. Like you come in and you get extra help, and there's no shame in that, is there? 
No. Um, and on top of those AP courses, um, there's the big test at the end you got to study for anyways. Another challenge that presents itself along the way are those college entrance exams like the SAT, ACT, or the, even the AP exams that students take in the spring of their junior year and senior years here at MCHS. Since you are a battle-hardened veteran of all of these exams, tell me how you study for those exams and how you power through in order to gain some competitive scores. Yeah, I think that you definitely have to take advantage of all the practice exams that the school offers and make sure you take those so then you know what, how you're pro progressing to getting into the school you want and the score you want for that. And definitely I used College Board and stuff to help me study for the SAT and they have like programs where you can see what you need to improve on and all that. Yeah, um, I did a lot of uh, prep myself um, last year and the year before. And I will say that from experience, and you probably attested this too, Anna, that these tests don't necessarily measure what you learn in high school so much as they measure how you study. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, they measure just how good your study habits are. That's why you see a lot of kids who are better at studying and better at being organized do well in these tests. So do you guys, like, stress about it? Like, Anna, I've taught you for a long time. I can imagine you stress about it a little bit. Yeah, I definitely, I stressed less this year with it, but last year when we thought we were going to have it, I was definitely stressed for it then. What about you, Griffin? Yeah, I mean, it's not the most important step of the college process, arguably, but it is an important one, and um, you should strive to do well or get within the range, especially if you're going into a more competitive program. Did you meet your goal, your testing goal, like in your head, what you thought you wanted on those standardized tests? Did you meet it? I was 10 points short of meeting my goal, but I still was okay with my score. Yeah, so. that's still good. Like, what about you, Griffin? Me too. Um, I didn't take the SAT. I took the ACT instead, and there's a different scoring combination. I got one composite point lower than I wanted to get, but that's okay because I got very close to what I wanted, and it was good enough for me to get into the college I wanted anyways. Um, and then once you figured out those kind of scores and once you figured out what kind of GPA you're looking at it's about the end of your junior year, uh, you'll, you'll have that in your portfolio. And that brings me to the next and most underrated part of the college admission process, which is um, knowing what kind of school you want to pick and what reflects your desire in your education going forward. So how have you made those own distinctions within your own college search? Well, I figured out what career I wanted to pursue, and then I really researched what colleges were best at that, and also which colleges had the shorter-termed programs that for what I wanted, because I don't want to be in college for a super long time. And once I figured that out, then I applied to certain ones that I knew I would get into, and then a couple that would be reaches, and then I applied to a couple that I thought I would get into, but I wasn't completely sure. Yeah, um, you actually mentioned a really good point that um, I didn't even think about writing a question for, the, um, how to organize what colleges you're looking at, because everyone's going to have a different range or different um, different GPA, different scores going into the admissions process. You kind of figure out in your head what schools are going to be your safety, what schools are going to be your reaches, what schools are going to be your, um, your top, like, long shots if you want to apply to one or two of them. Um, but, so just out of curiosity, what – majors or what programs were you looking at? I want to major in pharmaceutical sciences and then get my doctor of pharmacy degree. So when I was looking at colleges, I wanted to look at ones that maybe had six or seven year programs instead of the full eight. That's a really smart idea because um, graduate school and PhD school, they are more like medical school for you in your case, are really expensive on top of your um, undergrad. So the less you spend in grad school, um, the better for your wallet. Yeah. And my next question is, um, once you've figured out what colleges you want to visit, visiting colleges is typically a tradition that many juniors and seniors embark on before they graduate high school. But because of COVID this year, um, many of those kinds of visits are impossible now. And there will certainly be students who still can't visit um, schools well after COVID because of things like expenses or distance or maybe just a lack of time. So during COVID, how did you determine what kind of colleges you were looking at? Like, how did you, um, like, what steps did you take to research the campus culture or the kind of students that attend further? Yeah, I went 
to the college's websites and I looked on there, obviously. I looked at pictures of the campus because that's a big thing that you don't get to see if you don't go visit. And I talked to admissions people that had emailed me and stuff like that to figure out more about the campus life and the campus itself. Yeah, I mean, those missions, those missions counselors, kind of like teachers here, they're actually really um, accessible. And that's one thing that a lot of kids in the college process kind of forget is that you can talk to those admissions counselors, whether you're in or not yet. Um, they will help you decide if this is the place you want to go. They will also talk to you about things like the campus culture. They'll even, in my case, they've even set me up with um, students who go to the school currently and have me talk to them to see if that's something I really want to do. Um and also, even those interviews, like sometimes you do an interview for a more competitive program. Like I know, Anna, you talked to me earlier that you did an interview at Harvard. And I did an interview at Grinnell. And they will, part of the interview is just talking to you about um, just what the campus is like, what the culture on the campus is like. Yeah. Uh, the lady that interviewed me, she, at the end of the interview, she wanted to double check and make sure that I didn't have any questions. Or if I did, she was more than willing to help me answer them, which I thought was really nice. I didn't expect that when I went into the interview. Yeah, that's um. They, they make interviews sound like a big like like a job interview type thing, but even in job interviews, they will still answer your questions if you have any. And that's something that it's important that kids don't. I don't. I, my experience don't understand going into it, and I really think should keep in mind going into the process. So it's glad that you really took advantage of that. Um, another thing is filling out your common app. Um, what are some things that you did uh, that you should keep in mind um, when filling out a common app? Well, you should definitely make sure that you have your transcript on hand because you have to enter in all the different courses you've taken. And when you're writing your personal essay, you really want to think about what that college would be looking for in your essay and if it describes you yourself because that is a, you know, it's a personal essay. So they definitely want to hear about you. And then if they wanted to know other stuff, then they would have asked for that, like in an essay separately. So your personal essay needs to be all about you. I like how you mentioned um, how your personal um, behavior and how your personal attributes when you write about in your essay should match the and reflect the values of the college you apply to. A lot of kids apply to top programs um, without addressing the culture and kind of comparing it to their own personality and seeing if they're going to actually, for, for lack of a better term, vibe with the school or if they're going to vibe with you. So if that doesn't match up, chances are you're not going to get in or you're not going to enjoy your time there if you are. That's a really good thing to keep in mind to be genuine on those applications on your essays. Um, and I wanted to ask you, have you been accepted or rejected to any colleges yet? Yeah, I've been accepted to quite a few. Um, I've been accepted to the University of Minnesota, the University of Wisconsin, and the St. Louis College of Pharmacy. Those are the three main ones I'm looking at. And I applied early uh, action to Harvard, and I got deferred, so I'm waiting on my final admissions decision for this upcoming couple of months. Yeah, deferred is a um, interesting state of affairs. You see, because in college admissions, there's not just two acceptance or rejection. Sometimes there's a third option called a deferral, meaning that they'll look at your profile again later on. So that can be kind of daunting to a lot of kids, especially if you're going to a more competitive program. So I wanted to ask you, Anna, what were some things you did while in your deferred state in order to hopefully get an acceptance letter later on. Yeah, they actually emailed me and asked me if I was still interested. So I definitely said I was. And um, I still looked for other colleges and applied to others too, just in case. I applied to the University of Illinois as another one. And I just want to be prepared if I were to get rejected from there. I want to have other schools that I can definitely go to. Just simply responding to them when they send you those messages and maybe sending a letter to them really does help. Now, sometimes they will not ask for something back, and in that case, don't. But if they don't say anything or if they do ask if they're still interested, take that time to, to be thoughtful and respond to them because that can really make a difference in the admissions room, is my experience. Um, one of my last questions for you is, what do you hope to achieve with a college education? Why is attending college important to you? I want to attend college because in order to be a pharmacist, I have to have a doctor of pharmacy degree, so I have to go. Um, but also I want to experience college, and I want to have that experience to, in the future to tell people about and everything. And from what I hear, it's 
really great to go to college and my mom went to college so she always tells me about you know all of her experiences that she had that were fun and so I want to be there and experience that as well and um yeah absolutely um I've heard stories from my parents now my parents were not necessarily um super focused scholars they always had some rather not appropriate stories to talk about college (laughs) but you see even that, even the social interactions can really help. Like being on your own for the first time, that's something that a lot of kids experience. Um, learning how to kind of learning how to function as a as an adult outside the house, that is something you need to learn as well in college. And those are things that are just valuable parts of the experience, especially while you're not even in the workforce yet. I think one of the things that kids don't realize is that you have more time than you think. You know, when you're in high school, you're here from eight to three. And then you might have practice and then your life kind of runs. But you're in college, it's different. Now, I was a musician, so I was busy all the time. But, you know, you might have class from 10 to noon and 1 to 3, and then that's it. You know, and then you can go study or you can go do whatever. And that's where your intramurals and all those other activities you can get involved in. And that's the fun stuff to do. Yep. So, Anna Wagner Thank you for coming on to the pod. I really appreciate you coming on today to talk about college and to clarify the process for other students. Thank you for having me. I want to thank, before we go, um, the Soaring Eagles for sponsoring our podcast today. Without their contributions, we would not be on the air. I also want to thank um, Brennan Fluff for editing this podcast and Mr. Ruggles for um, also helping in editing this process and also butting in on the conversations. I I had good things to say. You did, but we're just, we're jokesters here. We make jokes. We, we're just jokesters. Maybe we should just have a podcast of jokes. We should. Maybe some other time. Maybe. All right. Thanks, Griffin. Brennan, add that out if you're hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you and see you all next month. All right, folks, there you go. Thanks a lot for listening. We hope to see you in the month of April. Maybe we've got some other sidecast uh, podcasts coming your way. Who knows what we're going to do with all the time that we've got. Um, I want to thank Brennan Fluett for doing the editing and want to thank the uh, uh, Mrs. Bigley and the Soaring Eagles program for allowing, allowing us to do this great podcasting club. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Hope to see you next month. <laughs>